Let me start by just saying a couple things before we get into what we're going to talk about. Number one, the, the thing you saw about Mexico, that's a real deal thing. I, if you are in sixth grade or seventh grade, eighth grade, you guys go off to high school. If you're in sixth grade or seventh grade, raise your hand. Okay. Gosh, look at this. future leaders, of the, you know, leaders in junior high. This is what's so important. I really believe that God has a plan for how we engage the global world. And I think it's not just doing, even though we do stuff in junior high, it's not just building a house or hanging out with them for the day. We do really great things in junior high. I think God has a plan specifically in how we build relationships with the global world. This is something that I've been working on for a while. It's something that the church says is important, and even though I'm leaving, this is not dying. Uh, it's going to carry on, and it, we're, we're, we're going to Mexico, and we're going to do summer camp for three days with 75 of their students. Applications are online. If you've ever thought, man, I'd love to do something, like you sit in your room and you're like, man, I'd love to change the world, here's your opportunity to do it. If you have questions, talk to us. If your parents have questions, have them email us. Because we have answers, I think it's going to be an incredible thing. And number two, where are the eighth graders? Eighth graders, where are all of you? Raise your hand, eighth graders. Look at all of you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so it's the, the, I remember when all of you were in sixth grade. I remember the day when you came in to join junior high. And now getting to see all of you grown up and the leadership that you've taken in the room has been incredible. Sophia, killing it. All right. So many of you just doing Lexi. So great. Um, I got to take some of these students to Uganda, seeing them, incredible. Uh, so I'm very, very proud. I'm very proud of all of you. And as you go off to high school, you guys are going to do an incredible job. So here's the thing. Last weekend, is it anyone's first time here today, by the way? Didn't we have some new people? It's the first time ever here. Is, it, is this your first time? You've never been here before? This is perfect. You're going to love it today. You're going to have a great time. Um, we don't get to know me. I'm going to be, you'll never see me again. But don't worry about that. You're still going to have a blast, okay? I, I, was, I was joking around with a buddy of mine. No, I'm being completely serious. I was joking with a youth pastor buddy of mine because, uh, you know, I'm you know, leaving Mariners. And, and I was talking about, you know, leaving and leaving a church. And, and you know, and I was, you know, emotional about it. And, and, and you know, because it's tough. You know, I've spent so many years here, and I love you guys. I've gotten to see you take steps in your faith and your relationship with Jesus. I got to see you serve. And just, you know, I've seen so many great things, um, and I believe in junior hires so much. And, and as I'm talking about all this, he looked at me and said, don't forget, for some kid, it's going to be their first weekend. They're going to have no idea who you are, and they're not going to care. And I was like, you're probably right. It humbled me. All right. Get out some notepapers and get out, of, uh, get out a pen and get out a Bible, because here's the thing. I've joked about this before, which is actually not completely funny, but I think it's kind of funny. I've joked about, like, if, if, the, if the building was crumbling... And all of you are in this room, and I, I told you the building is crumbling, and you have 10 minutes to live before you are crushed under the might of the, the rat nests up there in the building. What would you do in those 10 minutes? And some of you, I'm sure a lot of you would pull out your phones, and you'd call mom and dad, and you know, some of you would probably grab the Star Wars guys and leave, and some of the boys would try and you know, get the box and save the box out of here, because that thing's awesome. But the, what we do in those last 10 minutes, right, that's like the most important stuff. You know, when Jesus was here on earth, when he knew he had only a few moments left, okay, really listen to this, when he knew he had a few moments left, he's dying on the cross. That's a real thing. He, he died on the cross for you and for me because he loves us. That's how much he loves us. And so when he's dying on the cross, giving his life, and he has a few moments left to live as a man, 
what did he do in those last few moments? He looked over at the guy next to him and said, you're forgiven. That's how he chose to use his last moments. You know, what we do in our last moments are sometimes the most important things that we at least believe that we should be doing. You know, some of you, you're getting ready to leave eighth grade. You know, when you go in for your last day of school, which I think some of you already have had your last day of school, right? Some of you? No, some of you? This week, though, right? This week, for a lot of people, the next week, whatever. You go at your last day of school, your last day of eighth grade before you go into high school, eighth graders, or sixth grade if you're elementary school. Like, that, that last day is a big day. You know what? Teachers, are you going to go find teachers and thank them for the investment you made in their lives, in your life? Are you going to go find coaches and thank them for the investment you ma- they made in you being the athlete you are? Are you going to go find your friends who maybe they're going off to a different school and say, man, you meant so much to me, thank you. Like, what are you going to do in the, that last day of your time at school? I mean, those are the things I think about. When you know you only have a few moments left, what are you going to do with it? So here's the thing. I spent time thinking about that. And I thought, man, I only have 10 11, 12 minutes left. What do I want my junior high students to know in the last 12 minutes I have or the last time I'm really going to get to teach them in this room? What are the things I want to teach you? And this is what I want to talk about today. So there's a story of a guy named David. Okay, David made mistakes. Raise your hand if you ever made a mistake before. Okay. Here's the thing about David. David, like you, like me, made mistakes. I've made many mistakes. I've made some very private mistakes. I've made some very public mistakes. But we all have made mistakes. It's one of the things that actually God gifted us with to put everyone on the same level playing field. Not everyone can sing like Sophia. Not everyone can smell as good as Mark Vinzon. But everybody is on the same level playing field that we all make mistakes. So there's this guy named David. Okay, and this is very, very simple. This is very, very simple. A guy named David makes mistakes. Now, he was a guy that was chosen by God to be king. Like one of the most powerful verses in the book of 1 Samuel is uh, the prophet, Samuel, really clever, right? Comes to the family of Jesse, asks for all the sons to come out. And Jesse brings out all of his sons. And these guys are big and they're strong and they're mighty with hairy chests. I don't know if people are into that, but these guys were. And they're musicians and artists. Like these guys are the best of the best. And then he brings out David, this tiny little shepherd. And Samuel looks at him. And this is the most unlikely person you can imagine to be named as king. And he looks at David, the most unlikely person, and says, you know, you're the guy. And Jesse's like, what? This is his own father. What? Him? This is the guy? Like, this is the guy you chose? And Samuel says one of the most important things, something that I think every junior higher should hear, is that people look at the outside and God looks at the heart. So when, when God is picking people, he's not looking at the outward appearance. He's not looking at the skills and the talents. He's not looking at the things that we throw up on Instagram and the highlight reel of our life. And sometimes that discourages us. We compare our lives and the inside knowledge we have of our lives to the highlight reel of someone else's life. But God doesn't look at any of those things. He looks at the heart. David's a guy that makes mistakes, though. So, you know, he gets older and he becomes king and he comes, you know, kind of complacent. You just kind of thought, man, I've kind of made it. Like, I've made it. I've figured it out. I've made it. I'm king. I got everything I want. I got food. I got money. I got influence. I'm strong. I'm handsome. I got a bunch of wives and some other things that... You can talk to your parents about that. They're called concubines. Write that down. Ask your parents about that. It's in the Bible, guys. I don't know what to tell you. And David makes mistakes. So there's one specific mistake he made. Okay, one specific mistake. 
He's there at his house while all his soldiers, while the kings are off at war. That's what the Bible says in 2 Samuel. As the kings were off at war, David was at home in the palace, which tells you something interesting. That he's already, he's already kind of found himself in a place where he's kind of not already not doing the things he should be doing. Kings are off at war, he's staying at home. And he's hanging out, you know, out on his balcony, and he looks and he peers over and he sees this gal. Okay? Sees this gal. And this gal is on this roof. I'm not going to lie to you. She is not wearing any clothes. Okay? I'm just, that's what the Bible says. Okay? Yeah, pretty nuts. And he's thinking to himself, I want to get to know her and have her over my house, not to play video games, to do some other stuff. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. This This is in the Bible. Okay? Yeah. This is in the Bible. Okay? And you know what? That's exactly what he does. That's exactly what he does. He sends word to this woman to come over to his house, not to play video games, and they spend the night. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is the first thing I want you to write down. Write this down. Write this down. Everybody makes bad mistakes. This was one of David's biggest bad mistakes. While the kings are off at war, where he should be, he stays at home, already starting off doing things he shouldn't be doing, sees some woman, sends word, brings her over, not to play video games. Bad decision. Everybody makes bad decisions. Everybody does. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing that's so interesting. David makes this bad decision, spends this night with this woman, not playing video games, woman he wasn't married to. This woman actually was married to someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, the plot thickens. He finds out that she's pregnant. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Drama city, right? So he does what anybody would do, all right? He starts to cook up a plan. And he has, this is the best plan ever. He's going to send word, her husband Uriah, he's off fighting the battle. He's going to send word, get Uriah to come back. And it's simple, right? He's been at war, he's been away from his family. He's going to come back. You know, he'll spend time with his wife, not playing video games. And then, you know, it'll cover the whole thing up. It'll just be like, oh man, you know, know, that whole thing. And it'll cover up the mistake he made. So he does that. He sends word to Uriah. Uriah comes back, you you know. you know, shows up and he's like, oh man, I'm so happy to see you, Uriah. Like, have fun, relax. You know, spend time with your wife. But Uriah is a man of integrity and character. Uriah says, how could I spend time with my wife while all of my comrades, my brothers in arms, my brothers are out there fighting a battle, sleeping in the dirt? How could I sleep in bed with my wife or whatever we're going to do? And so he doesn't. He actually goes outside of the, the, the whole kind of city, outside of the, the, the castle, outside of the whole deal, sleeps on the ground in a tent in the dirt. David's freaking out, doesn't know what to do. Oh, oh my gosh, how am I going to cover up this mistake? He's not sleeping with his wife. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring him over to my house, have a party. I'm going I'm to give him some wine. Yeah, a lot of it. And the good stuff too. And then he's just going to be like all kind of like, ooh, ooh, and he's going to go home, stumble home, and then he's going to hang out with his wife, not playing video games, and I'm going to be able to cover up the whole thing. That doesn't work. I mean, Uriah enjoyed the wine, of course. But he went to his tent on the outside of the kingdom, slept in the dirt. David had to figure something out. What's he going to do? How, he, he can't let it get out that he's you know, having kids with these other people who are married. He, they, this is a big mistake. This is a big screw-up. He's the king of Israel. This is a big deal. He's influential. People know him. So he's got to do something. This is what he does. Grabs a pen, grabs some paper, writes a little note, puts it in an envelope, seals it up, hands it over to Uriah. 
tells Uriah, hey, go back to the battlefield. Give this to one of the generals. So that's what Uriah does. He takes the note, you know, scurries over, finds one of the generals, hands him the note. The general opens the note, and this is what the note says. The bearer of this note, send them to the front lines of the battle. Now, this is a, you don't know what that means, but let me explain it to you. That's like a death sentence. If you're at the front lines of the battle, that means like you're, like the people with the swords and like the spears and the bows and arrows, like they're like right in front of you, not like like a mile away. Like you go to the front lines of the battle, like you're probably going to die. And that's exactly what happened. Uriah died. You know, David was the architect of this guy's murder. All right, I want you to write this down. When we make mistakes, we tend to do things we typically wouldn't do. When we make mistakes, we all do, we typically tend to do things that we wouldn't do. You know, David, he's thinking, how do I cover this up? I got to protect. I got to do, you know, I got to make sure people don't find out what I've done. If people knew, like, they would be angry at me. They wouldn't like me. They would, you know, I'd probably get punished. Things wouldn't be all right. So I got to cover this up. And what David did is is something kind of like not, maybe not exactly what you, hopefully you wouldn't murder anybody. But he did something that was very out of character, something that he wouldn't typically do. But when we're trying to cover up the mistakes we made, you know, isn't that what we do? We tend to do things we wouldn't normally do. Now, here's the thing. Everybody makes mistakes. And when we make mistakes, we immediately go into protection mode. How do I hide this? I can't let anyone find out. What if they find out? What are they going to think of me? And it leads us to making decisions we wouldn't normally make. Now, here's the best part. Like any good king, any good pastor, any good junior hire, you have people in your life who care about you. That's when you hope, if you're in a life group, you have life group people, you have life group leaders, there's other staff here, people that care about you. David had someone who cared about him. His name was Nathan. And Nathan came to see David. Now, Nathan was a prophet of God, very smart guy, very interesting guy, kind of, kind of a cool character. And he came and he talked to David. And this is what, uh, this is what he said um, to David. Okay, I'm going to read this. It starts with verse number one. This is 2 Samuel chapter 12, if you're taking notes. Okay, you're going to like this. Remember, last lesson... Last time we're together, I believe this is the most important thing for you to hear. So listen up. Nathan rebukes David. This is so good. Second Samuel chapter 12. <sighs> so the Lord sent Nathan, the prophet, to tell David this story. It's a powerful story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but a little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb, and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. On one day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal of his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it, and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. And he's the king. He could make it happen. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole. And having no pity, This is the most important verse. I want you to hear this. It's verse number seven. Then Nathan said to David, listen to this. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. 
You are that man, David. You are the rich owner who has everything, who took the one thing Uriah had, this one wife that he had. You are him. You are that man. And David was blown away. Faced with his own mistakes. You know, I don't know if anyone's ever been confronted on the mistakes they've made before by someone who cares about you, not by someone who wants to humiliate you or embarrass you, but by someone who cares about you. I don't know if anyone's ever been confronted on the mistakes they've made by someone who cares about you, who said, hey, listen, I I saw your search history. Like, I know what you've been looking at. Hey, I I read your text message. I know what you've been saying. Like, hey, I've looked through the computer. I've I've seen some of the websites you've traveled to. And like, you must be dealing with something. Let's talk. I don't know if anyone's ever been confronted by someone who cares about them. But Nathan cared about David. You know, here's the thing that's so important. You might think like, oh, my gosh, that must be a terrible end of the, that's such a terrible end of the story. You know, and it was really tough. It goes on to, you know, Nathan tells David that God is not happy with what he did. He's angry about it. That he's actually going to put judgment on his family. That his family's going to live by the sword. There's actually a bunch of really terrible things that happened to his family because of this decision. And you might look at that and be like, oh my gosh, like that, that, it's terrible. That's me. Like I've done something wrong and God's angry at me and there's punishment. And, and, you know, that's what a terrible story. Why would you tell me that, Justin? You're the worst. And here's the truth. When we make mistakes, there is punishment and there is judgment. And sometimes you have to apologize and sometimes you have to you know, write a letter and sometimes you have to deal with some consequences. Yeah. But see, that's not the end of the story for David. See, the story for David continues. You know, it continues into the rest of Samuel when he starts to write songs and poems to the Lord. You know, David is actually the majority writer of the book of Psalms, which is in the Bible. It's one of the longest books in the Bible, and he wrote the majority of it. Songs of praise, songs of thanksgiving, songs of sorrow to God. You know, years later, when, when God talks about David, the mistake maker, the one who really blew it, who did a whole lot of really good things, but then really blew it. You know how God describes that person? God says that David is a man after his own heart. That David, who made mistakes, who for any other person would probably let that be the thing that defines who they are. David was a man after God's own heart. Here's what I want you to write down. Here's what I want you to hear. This is the many years I've been here as the junior high pastor. This is the most important thing I want you to hear. Listen. When you make mistakes, and you will. When you do things and you feel you are far from God, and you very well may be, when you make a mistake that you feel like you have to hide and, and you can't let people see, and if they knew that they just wouldn't like you the same way, when you get caught up into something and you find yourself and you realize, how did I get to this place? How did this happen? You will make those kinds of mistakes. Maybe you're in the middle of making a mistake like that right now. Maybe You will make mistakes like that in high school. Maybe it'll be until college when you make big, gigantuan mistakes. And in that moment, when you make a huge mistake and you feel far from God, this is what I want you to remember. That there is nothing you could ever do to make God love you less. Every single one of you will make big mistakes. Every single one of you will do incredible things too. But every single one of us, including me, I have a lot of life to live, will still make big, gigantuan mistakes where we feel we are far from God. I don't know if you feel that way right now. 
and you're sitting here in the room and you're like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like I've been making mistakes. I've been in it. I don't know how I got into it, but I'm in it now and I don't know what to do. And I feel so far from God. Listen to me. For you, it might be, you know, confessing it and asking forgiveness and talking to people, getting help. Like, I don't know. Everyone has a different road when it comes to repairing things that have been broken and fixing mistakes that they've made. But every one of those moments starts in this one place where you can look in the mirror at yourself and say, there's nothing I could ever do to make God love me less. There's nothing you could ever do to make God love you less. You will make mistakes. You will screw up. But there's nothing, nothing, nothing you can ever do to make God love you less. Let me pray over you guys. Heavenly Father, here are your kids. They love you. They want to keep learning about you. They want to know who you are. They want to serve you. They want to, they want to change their schools. and They want to change neighborhoods. And some of them want to change the world. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be their pastor. Thank you for every single personality in here, every different gift you've given to them. Thank you, God. You care about us. You want good things for us. Bless them. Bless their future. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're not going to go just yet. Hold on. Can I invite uh, Brittany? Why don't you come on up here? Um, one thing we, we do in junior high, uh, we know that we're all family here, but when, when someone in our family is going off to do some great things, we don't just say goodbye. We actually we want to pray a blessing over them. So here's what we're going to do. If you know Justin, if Justin has been an incredible part, I want you guys to come up here and we're going to pray over and put it. We're going to like, yeah, come up here. If you're a student, sixth grader, seventh, you're a volunteer, if you're an intern, if Justin has been someone in your life that you, that you've just connected with and he's someone who's been a lot, just come on up at the stage. Yeah. And if you're not, if you're sitting down, here's what I want you to do. If you can't, if you can't be up here, I want you to take your hand, just, just stick your hand out right over Justin like that. And this is a sign of like, I can't be there with you, but I'm there right there with you. And we're going to just pray over them right now. Yeah, why don't you come on up? Wow, that's a lot of people. Justin, the whole room's here. I think it's a fire hazard. Good thing your boss is in here, right? Um, all right. So right now, right now, I want you to just 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 shout out a word that just that 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 just reminds you of Justin. Just shout out a word. God, we know that you have created Justin to be an incredible father, an incredible husband. But something that, that, that we in this room see him, that he is one who is driven to build your kingdom. He is driven to see people know you and to know each other. And you give him an incredible wife <laughs> that loves him more than anything to walk with him in it, God. And God, I pray as they, as, as they head into their new adventures, as they, as they go to take care of their family, as they go to take care of their kids, that you would continue to bless them. Bless them tenfold, a hundredfold. Would you bless them like you would your own son? Because Justin is the son that you are so pleased with, God. So I, I just want to thank you, God, for all the connections that Justin has made here in this room, all these people, all these students, all these leaders, all these interns, all these volunteers that are here because of Justin's love for you. So God, I pray as the Hermans go off into their next adventure, that you'd bless them, that you'd keep them, that you'd protect them, but you would remind them 
that you will never leave, that you will always be with him, and that you will never stop loving them more, God. So God, we pray this in your name. We bless Justin. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for being, oh wait, Justin has to say something, Justin. You guys enjoy yourselves. Don't forget, life's better than JHM because you guys are in JHM. See you guys later.